Are you a healthcare organization struggling to achieve success? What if I told you that success not only depends on strategy, but also on the right mindset? At the Mindset Gap, their team of seasoned consultants understand the critical role mindset plays in achieving organizational excellence by empowering your workforce to think innovatively, embrace change, and adapt to new challenges. So imagine your workplace, one where your employees and patients thrive where creativity and productivity go hand in hand, and where obstacles become opportunities. Don't let your organization fall into the mindset gap. Take the first step towards unlocking your potential today and email assist at themindsetgap.com with the referral code GENCAN20 to schedule a consultation. Welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. This is a safe space where we invite healthcare providers to unapologetically be themselves after the working day. My name is Jennifer George, and each week I will connect you with guests and stories that will help transform your stress to success and fulfillment. Are you with me? Grab your drink of choice and let's chat. Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jennifer George, and I'm joining you today with Dr. Daria Long. Dr. Daria is a board-certified Harvard and Yale-trained emergency physician and a clinical assistant professor at the University of Tennessee. Dr. Daria is also a favored TV contributor in the U.S. and a TED speaker on how to triage your life like an ER doctor. Dr. Daria is helping individuals pave ways to stay present and remain healthy during times of constant distractions and high stress, particularly with her newly launched platform, Truve.com and the Truve Lab. In this episode, we learn more from Dr. Daria on how we can triage our own immunity and keep our immune systems healthy during this cold and flu season. You don't want to miss this episode. It's packed with information and good conversation. And as always, please share it with those in your networks who you believe could benefit from the information shared. Thank you for joining us and enjoy the episode. Hi, Dr. Daria. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here with you today. I'm so honored that you're here. So the the focus of the episode is kind of on how to keep our immune systems healthy during this cold and flu season. I'm in Canada, so I I greatly appreciate this topic. (laughs) Contrary to what many think, it's not always winter here. Um, You know, Canada's beautiful. Sometimes I'm in Atlanta. Sometimes I wish you could send me down some of your cold weather. (laughs) Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, Dr. Daria, and what inspired you to get into medicine? I am, as you know, and as you said in the intro, an emergency room doctor. It's interesting. I always found that no matter what, when there was an emergency, I was running towards it as opposed to running away from it, whether it was somebody injured or whatever happened. And it took me a while before I realized like, wait, like that's unusual. Yeah, <laughs> that's people, amazing. Like, that's when I find myself most activated. When I, I decided to go into medicine very early on, it, it was just because of the impact you could have. Very quickly, though, in in medicine, I, I decided to do emergency room for, for that very reason, because I felt that in those moments when there was a crisis on the line was the time that I was my most activated, most most focused, most present and able to intervene the best. And so I was doing my emergency medicine training at Yale and 
you know, had also gotten my business degree and I thought I would be involved in clinical medicine and probably in the logistics of running healthcare and finding ways to improve our, our system and healthcare services. And it was right then that there was the swine flu and the bird flu epidemics kind of back to back. And I remember so many of my patients would they would be watching the local news and the local news would say things like, stay tuned for the 10 p.m. for the death toll from the bird flu. And my <laughs> patients were terrified. And you know, any of your audience that has worked through any one of these different things, maybe was kind of practiced for the upcoming uh, foreshadowing for COVID someday. But at mm-hmm. that point, my patients were terrified and our waiting room length of stay to see a physician was eight hours for, during some period because people were, our, our ERs were swarmed. And so many people, I would see them and say, okay, yes, you have the flu, this bird flu. We have, you know, we, you have the flu, but you are a otherwise healthy person. You're going to be fine. And I'm so sorry that you were scared by what you saw in the news. That led to a total juncture in my career path, because I suddenly thought, what if I could affect these patients and and touch them, not at the moment that they came to the ER, but eight hours, eight days, eight months beforehand. Mm -hmm. And it became very clear that doing that via media was one of the most powerful things we could do. It all kind of then came full circle and that I'd been doing medicine up until that point and started to do uh, television. Local led to doing a lot of national and, you know, led, led to what I do now. And so that's how the whole career, the whole picture finally came together was um, what just came from that point of that pain point of my patients being really scared by the messages they were hearing on television. That's amazing. Uh, during COVID, and I mean, I know COVID's still going on, but that was one of the things that I wished I had seen more of too, is more of the healthcare voice in the media, right? Because you, you saw the media broadcasting around it. But um, so I, I admire that you, you know, affiliated yourself or connected with the media so that you could um, share, you know, health information with people that was accurate and, you know, evidence informed. So Thank yeah, you. And yes, awesome. COVID was a busy time. You doing t- we were doing TV, you know, I was doing segments every day sometimes. But at the same time, working in the ER, right. I was really busy. You know, it's <laughs> you, you hear people talking about COVID for them was a, a break for them to relax with their families. I'm like, not for me. Yeah. <laughs> COVID was nowhere, nowhere near relaxing and a moment for us to pause with our families. We were busy. And I know anybody who's listening in the healthcare field, uh, especially people in the ER and critical care, ICU, it was a busy time. For sure. And and I mean, I guess, like you said, you're someone who runs towards <laughs> um, <laughs> chaos in a way, right? Like that's just part mm-hmm. of who you are. So I thank yep. you for that and the work you're continuing to do. Um, so being in healthcare and, you know, working as a physician, um, I, I know you've done some research on burnout, uh, more specifically with women. So thank you for that as well. And <laughs> I hope people get the chance to check that out. Do you yourself have a story or do you resonate at all with others who've experienced burnout? Certainly. And one of the red flags that can happen with burnout is somebody is so stressed, you know, and there's kind of like the cardinal symptoms. One of the things that they tend to be doing is ignoring their own body's signs and symptoms mm-hmm. and downplaying that because they are just so not attuned to that because they are so focused on all these other things that they are trying to get done in that feeling of overwhelm and that angst. So throughout 2020, I started to get these kind of strange symptoms. 
and that I, I'm a runner, I'd run every single day. Every so often when I was running, I would get chest pain, I'd get short of breath, I'd get feeling really lightheaded, and I had to sit down. It was so bad that I had to sit down. I couldn't keep standing up, I couldn't keep running when it would come, these episodes would come on. And I didn't have a smartwatch at the time. And, you know, I would sit down for 30 seconds and go away and I'd get back up and can finish my run because I had stuff to do and I had to get my run done before my children woke up because I, once my children woke up and my day started, it was just the day got away from me. Mm-hmm. And so I ignored these symptoms. And now I looking back, I realized I, it was during COVID. I was working in the ER. I was doing television. I was trying to take care of my kids and sometimes teach them at home, or I was running the school's COVID response. I was doing all these different things that I totally ignored these symptoms. And it got to the point that it was daily on a run. So finally, I broke down and I bought an at-home EKG monitor. And still downplaying these symptoms, I you know, had essentially justified what I was sure they were, just some benign sinus tachycardia or something like that. And I'm home alone with my children, who at the time were, I believe, four and seven. I sit down, I, I, I run to kind of trigger this episode. As soon as it happens, I go sit down, you know, sit down at the EKG machine. And I realized that I actually was in ventricular tachycardia and my heart rate was 270. Oh my goodness. And I had been going into VTAC essentially daily for the last month and, you know, weekly before that and totally ignoring it because I was so consumed with everything else I had to do. For me, my run was my stress reliever and I was not going to accept it. I needed that. (laughs) Um, no, I get that. And hence began the next you know, 14 months of my life of doctor's appointments and traveling and seeing doctors in Atlanta and Boston and Cleveland Clinic and Johns Hopkins and all these different places as we tried to figure out what was going on and, and how best to treat it when and, you know, being a patient myself mm-hmm. and being in that place also where, you know, previously when I would talk to patients and they would, we would give them health information and they would go to sometimes un or disreputable healthcare sites that are, you know, I won't name names, but maybe they're run by celebrities and maybe they have no science behind them. And I remember saying, why are you going there? Like, why? this is stupid. This is ridiculous. Why? Once I became a patient who was suddenly terrified, I realized I got to those vulnerable states where I was reading the books that were recommended by said crazy celebrity website because I was desperate. And I remember reading one of them and getting to a moment, if I can be so desperate that I can be pulled in by this, what about every other woman, every other human being out there who themselves have been given some terrifying diagnosis and they're desperate? And I get it. I get it now. So that, all of that led me to, you know, sometime later, once we had kind of really stabilized what was going on with, with my heart and getting back to a place that I could, you know, think about things other than my own health again, really catalyzed me to launch Truve and the burnout studying women and Truve because I thought women and, and everybody, especially women, me being one, we need that source of truth for our health and that is what I wanted to be for our health, for our children's health, you know, on sometimes on those topics that you may not be able to get answers from your doctor on maybe because your doctor doesn't have time or maybe because they are, it's a little bit combination Eastern, what is Western medicine, or there's just not really frank answers. Mm-hmm. And I want to wade into that area in a way that is science-based and evidence-based and give women the answers they need for their health. 
Amazing. Can you tell us more about the study? I mean, I read yes. parts of it. So if you can share yes. the key points. So the burnout study in women, it's something we're very proud of. We ended up launching Truve Lab as the research arm of Truve.com. It started for me wanting to write an article on it and realizing there's just really a paucity of data. So I paired up with some amazing world-class institutional psychology researchers out of the University of Tennessee, Dr. Christopher Cunningham, Dr. For Kristen Black. They written books on burnout and occupational burnout. They're, they're wonderful. Uh, we partnered with, actually with Good Housekeeping um, as our media partner. And then we partnered with uh, two other two other brands, you know, Cliff Bar, Luna Bar, and Computers for Kids as our corporate sponsors and to, to fund it. So it really became this new model of, you know, when you, to be able to do research, partnering with really amazing researchers, partnering with media and corporations that wanted to fund this research. And it became the, um, the first large scale academic study of burnout in women since the pandemic. Amazing. Can you share like a couple key takeaways though, about like why women are kind of yes. exposed to burnout? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, and we're actually, we did our first paper was published last fall and we are in the process right now. We've been accepted for another presentation this fall and working on a second and a third paper. There was just so much data out of it. Um, So one thing, just to kind of talk about framework, one of the things we found is that 82% of our respondents felt that they should be able to quote unquote, do it all, particularly when it comes to to parenting in their various roles. Mm -hmm. And yet only 7% felt that they actually could do all the things that were required of them. And what we ended up labeling that is the do it all discrepancy. And it is a difference between your shoulds and your, you know, your cans. Mm -hmm. And again, what we found is that what might make up my shoulds versus your shoulds might be different, but that discrepancy, that margin or that Delta between the two is universally predictive of burnout. Now, you know, now we need to actually target that margin. How do you tactically address that? Wow. That's amazing. Thank you so much for, for pushing the work in this space and sharing it. So I really hope people, um, I like, I read your white paper on your Instagram. So I I hope people even just start there, um, and become Mm -hmm. better acquainted and continue to follow the research that follows. Yes. Thank you. And then speaking of Instagram, we found another one on social media that we talk about social media and children and teenagers a lot. We found these were our, our median age was 42 and the, uh, primary uh, feelings that women had after using social media were envy and worry, mm-hmm. which far out uh, dominated out over any positive feelings of happiness or pride. And mm-hmm. that itself was an entirely independent factor predictive of burnout as well. Oh, wow. It, it makes sense to me, you know, because we are so bombarded by it. And I feel like even too, during your journey, you had to navigate through all of that too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and find reliable sources of support and information and create them. (laughs) Essentially, (laughs) It is so true. And how do you find those? How do you find those sources that make you feel good and make you feel empowered and informed? Yeah. And if they don't, if they make you feel envious or worried, unfollow. Yes. Life's too short. (laughs) Yes. Look away. (laughs) So you mentioned it as well, but you know, as healthcare providers, we tend to overlook you know, our own health needs or maybe our symptoms, things that are these whispers, these signs that, that we, um, that we sometimes experience that we neglect and maybe just keep putting on the back burner to care for others. Again, whether it's in our own household or whether it's our patients or clients. Um, so can you share with us some signs and symptoms 
like immunity wise, now that it is, you know, cold and flu season, um, that we should be paying attention to be, you know, that kind of are alerting us that our immunity may be coming compromised and, and how we can right. stop things before they get worse. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because this is a place that burnout kind of overlaps. A lot right. of times when people are in burnout, they find themselves that they are getting sick more often. Mm-hmm. And that's because you know, when you're stressed, it kind of has a twofold impact. You can, it both triggers inflammation and can trigger that autoimmunity an inappropriate response. Um, but you know, sometimes like, like you see in sepsis, see the effect is, is the body overwhelming response, but at the same time, it's also suppressing the appropriate actions of the immune system. So you get this heightened response, but it's not the targeted appropriate response. So you're more sick and inflammation from the heightened response. And you're also less capable of actually fighting off the illnesses that you might be coming into contact with. And, you know, the symptoms for a low, lower immunity, it's, often that's typically going to be your physical symptoms. You're, you're getting sick, you're tired, you're, you seem to, or you always kind of seem to have like this low grade illness and feeling that you can never really kick. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those can be signs essentially that you're just, you're t- often that you're just like taxing your body, taxing yourself mentally and physically you need to take a second to, to rest, let your body do what it actually needs to do so that you can fight off all, all the bugs that you are coming in contact with when you're in healthcare. Yeah. So tell us what we can do. So let's say, you know, we're starting to identify these signs or we just want to prevent them altogether, like the Mm -hmm. ones you just described. What can we do if you don't mind speaking to both on the job? So if we are in the healthcare space, whether we work in clinic, hospital uh, or Mm -hmm. whatnot, um, but also maybe what we can do in our own homes, you know, in our personal Mm -hmm. lives as well to protect ourselves. I think everybody got better about their washing their hands during yeah. COVID. So, but it, you know, you can never say it too often. And I'm a mom of three young children. So washing your hands seems to be something that is always very dominant to be talking about. So yes, that's always there and making sure you're doing that making sure you're not like touching your face after touching something that's contaminated. Um, but then it's beyond that, it's like, what can you do? Because this was one of those areas that I felt like in you go to Western medicine and you might not get all the answers. And then you go to somebody on Instagram and they're sticking stuff up their nose and they're taking <laughs> 45 supplements and doing all these things. You're like, you know, which one of these, what actually works? I got to be able to go in and, and not be sick. So I had done a little review of the data about a year or so back just to see like, you know, what really works. And of Mm -hmm. course, there's kind of like lifestyle behaviors. And then there are supplements as well. So of course, you know, things that we talk about, like, you know, exercise, we say, make sure that you're getting your exercise, make sure that you're that's part of like being a health having healthy lifestyle. But it, it actually is really helpful from an illness standpoint. And we're not talking about you don't have to go out and run like an Ironman every day, but just you know, 20 minutes that decreases your inflammatory cells that are circulating, um, including those cytokines. It also kind of helps increase the function of your parent cells uh, that, you know, that are then kind of primed to react. So again, people who walk regularly have about a third the number of colds of those who don't. Yes, maybe there's some associative things there. Maybe it's not all causative, but even if it's less than a third, that I think that is significant. It's something Definitely. that's good for good for you in general and can boost your your health. So exercise just once, especially once it starts to get cold and it's gross outside, keep up, you know, 20 minutes of walking, just doing that, steps in the hospital, all of those things really keep that up. It can be very sedentary, especially if somebody in healthcare has a more sedentary job. So make sure that you are walking. 
Um, let's talk about other some other new uh, kind of lifestyle things. So another one I love is is forest bathing. People who spend longer time outdoors have an improvement in, you know, in, in one study in their natural killer cell levels, things like that, your TNF alpha, you know, a lot of these sometimes are in vitro, some are in vivo studies, taking, you know, five to 10 minutes to go outside. There were other studies that found there was another one that looked at patients who had gallbladder surgery and those who had a window that could see outside and see trees versus could see just a brick wall, she got better faster. Again, that nature being able to just be outside be outside nature and just whether you're walking or just outside for a few minutes you know it's probably something also to do with just the concept of taking a break and not just staying with high high levels of stress all the time um, really makes a difference one other kind of lifestyle thing that i like to point out again is is nutrition and yes we hear eat well it's important for health but I just think that when you look at the statistics, it's actually pretty eye-opening. There was one study of kids who were age one to four who had recurrent respiratory infections. And the, when they got ate more kind of whole foods, like the food, not the store, but actually whole foods, it cut the number of days with cold symptoms and antibiotic usage by half. Wow. And, you know, reduce the number of symptoms days. So, you know, again, there's the other studies, a lot of people have kind of looked at that. And again, it shows less processed food more of our whole foods. It's very, it is useful. It's very helpful. So go out, take a walk, take a walk outside in nature. So you get your exercise in nature and then come in and have a big, big salad or just add one serving of fruit and vegetables to your diet for the next few months. And you're going to boost your immune system. The sustainability, right? Especially mm -hmm. during this season specifically. So yeah, talk right. to me more about supplements now. So supplements are always an area that can be a little loosey-goosey. You have to really go back to the data. So there's mm -hmm. some that I thought were really promising and some that weren't. There was one on vitamin D. Now, when you look at vitamin D studies, um, they typically look at, we gave this large population X dose of vitamin D, and then we looked at their outcomes. But the problem is, you need to actually know what somebody's level of vitamin D is, because if you give a group of people and some of them are very low vitamin D and some are normal vitamin D, and you give everybody the same dose, well, your effect is going to be diluted for the people who actually needed it, because the people who don't need it aren't going to have a necessary effect. Mm -hmm. So hence why, if you look at the very large trials of vitamin D, where they gave this huge group of people without checking the vitamin D levels, they didn't find that much. It's like, well, yes, it wasn't targeted that way. We don't just give people blood pressure medications without knowing their blood pressure. We would never do that. We need to look at vitamin D similarly. True. So in people with vitamin D levels less than say 38 nanograms per milliliter, so you know, low vitamin D levels, which is still higher than many guidelines suggest you need to have, but you do find that respiratory infections are three to five times greater than in people who have vitamin D levels above 40 nanograms per milliliter. So I always tell people, get your vitamin D level checked. And then you want to, if your vitamin D level is low, say lower than 40 to, you want it to be 40 to 60. It's kind of that sweet spot. If it mm -hmm. is lower than that, you're going to take some vitamin D3, which is a supplement that you want to take. And you take it with your doctor's, um, under your doctor's guidance and take that and then recheck your vitamin D level. And you don't want to take hyper doses of vitamin D. It's a fat soluble vitamin. A little, if a little is good, does not mean that more is better. Right. But you yeah. want to take vitamin D um, and try to aim for that 40 to 60 nanograms per milliliter level, which is good for immunity, might be good for a whole host of other things. It's just um, so 
I always tell people to look for that. Interesting. I've never thought of vitamin D actually as good for immunity as well. I've always seen mm-hmm. it as good for like, you know, nervous system uh, responses. Yeah, and, depression right. and a variety of different things. And, mm-hmm. and like even bone no. density and stuff, but I've never, yeah. uh, yeah, never heard about it in the context of immunity. Right. I've, I've always taken vitamin D and, um, for many years. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, but I always thought I was taking and, it for something else. <laughs> right. And vitamin D for bone density actually requires lower levels of vitamin D, which is where ah. most of the guidelines are based off of. Got you. But you, they find that if you actually aim it for, for immunity or many, some of the other benefits, you need to have higher levels. Nice. Okay. So, the other stuff, I mean, there's some promising things about probiotics, definitely probiotics in your foods, prebiotics in your foods. There's some value to probiotics in supplements, and it really depends on the kind you're taking. Vitamin C, the data is a little bit interesting. Like there's some that they gave people large doses of vitamin C before they got on a plane and the people at the higher doses got less sick from the plane. Oh. So <laughs> it's preventative, maybe could be useful. Um, uh, but not once your symptoms start. And then, you know, one that I always like, you know, is zinc, which can have some antiviral properties. So as soon as your symptoms start to come on for a cold to take a little bit of, you know, just take some zinc. Which zinc is it that, that you would recommend? Just take the zinc that they find in their pharmacies. It's, it's a, as a mineral, it is less, that is less important. You can just take any brand. Okay. Um, and I say, you should take 50 to hundred milligrams. Again, talk to your doctor, especially if you're on medications mm-hmm. and take it with food. Uh, because otherwise zinc will mess with your stomach. For sure. And can you tell me about mucinex? Yes. Now we've talked about ways to prevent up until this point. And, but you know, I have three small children. It is not a question of if I get (laughs) sick. And of course, you know, we didn't talk about vaccination. Make sure you get your vaccines that you're up to date on that. Um, But for, with, you know, with my life, again, having three small children, it's not a question of if I will get sick and if we will have respiratory viruses running around our house, (laughs) but when. So when I get sick and what I tell my patients is I always have them target, you know, what are your specific symptoms and let's take ingredients that match and medications that match your symptoms to really target your symptoms without taking things you don't need. For coughing, that comes down to guafenicin and dextromethorphan. Guafenicin is an expectorant and it also helps to thin your secretions um, so you can cough it up easier. And dextromethorphan actually acts at your brain's kind of cough trigger center to suppress that cough. Mucinex, uh, there are Mucinex and then Mucinex DM. Mucinex at 12 hour has guafenicin and Mucinex 12 hour DM has guafenicin and dextromethorphan. So it really allows you to, if you have that cough from any of these respiratory viruses, or you have that cough that's just lingering and you got to go take care of patients. And you know, my patients don't really love it if I'm sitting there coughing on them all the time. <laughs> so uh, you can take this and it will help with, with help clear your cough um, and, and or help suppress your cough. One of the reasons, again, I like Mucinex 12 hour is because my ER shifts are 10 hours. Most combination cold and flu medications for cough, cold, and flu are for last four hours. And so in the middle of an ER shift, be like, sorry, I got to go take some more cold medicine. Not really appropriate. So Mucinex 12 hour, however, will last for 12 hours. So it'll give you that effect to power through your day. And most healthcare providers wouldn't, they would just skip the dose, to be honest with you. <laughs> you just skip <laughs> you know the dose I mean? and start just <laughs> coughing all over your patients. It's really, uh, yeah, it's really good for your patient satisfaction scores. <laughs> Is Mucinex available globally? Like I'm in Canada. Yeah. I, it's not something I've used before. So I guess I'm just curious if it's available everywhere. Um, yes, we confirm. Yes, it is available globally. Okay. Awesome. Yes, awesome. Worldwide. 
Um, so can you tell us, you've been wonderful and we're counting down here. We only have a few minutes left and I, I really appreciate all the work you're doing, all the information you're sharing with us. Uh, can you tell us where people can connect with you to follow you, to follow your work? And also if you can give us more information on Mucinex, if people want to learn more about it for themselves. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'll switch the order of those two if that's sure, okay. Absolutely. For Mucinex 12 hour, you can go to mucinex.com to find out any information you want on it. Um, the handy thing is it's also available pretty much everywhere. Targets, Walmart, your local grocery store. We tagged it worldwide, your local pharmacy. So you know, we're going into cold and flu season right now, Jennifer, as you noticed, cough, cold and flu season. Um, so I'm telling people, you know, stock up. You don't want to start to get sick and then you're sick and now you're having to go to the pharmacy to look through the aisles to find your muse next 12 hours the next time you go to the pharmacy or your grocery store just grab grab yourself some stick it throw it in your first aid cabinet so you have it and again any walmart target your grocery store your pharmacy put it on your grocery list right now as for me i can be my we have our truve.com newsletter t-r-u-e-v-e.com and anybody can follow or connect with me at dr daria which is d-r-d-a-r-r-i-a on instagram and i'm on all the social media outlets but that's really where i'm most active and i would love to talk more about this with anybody there awesome and i would also recommend that people check out your ted talk Oh, thank yes. you. Yes, how to triage your life uh, like an ER doctor, right? It was <laughs> exactly. it was awesome. I, I listened to it and I, I learned a lot just by listening to it. And you know, it's sometimes the principles are, you know, ones that we know of already, but mm -hmm. when you just hear them in a different way and when they're explained differently, just as you did in your talk, it, it resonates more. And so I appreciate that. And I hope people check out your TED Talk as well. I really appreciate this time. I think you're doing a wonderful thing, Jennifer. Thank and, you. Uh, you know, yes, everybody stay healthy. Take, you know, do those small things. You are worth it yes. um, to do these small things for your immune system. Keep yourself healthy. If you don't, of course, use the next 12 hour. And I hope just everybody really has a, a wonderful fall season, especially as we start to head into the holidays. And you as well. Thank you so much for all the work you're doing, helping people to thrive per professionally, but also personally as well. So thank you so, thank so you, much. Thank you, Jennifer. Have okay. a great day. You too. So if you guys like this podcast, please subscribe and leave an honest review. Your feedback means everything to me. Your reviews are what moves this podcast forward, and I always appreciate receiving them. If you want to get a hold of me directly, reach out to me on social media. My handles are in the show notes, and you can always subscribe to my weekly newsletters at jennifergeorge.co so that we can stay connected. So until next time, thank you guys so much again for your ongoing support.